Welcome to Burnside at Home. It's Sunday the 14th of November and we're delighted that you're able to join with us on this audio recording, uh, a pre-record of our service which will take place in the church building on Sunday at 11 o'clock, God willing. Sunday is Remembrance Sunday and we will begin the live service with an act of remembrance uh, which is missing from this service uh, but we will begin with a prayer uh, thinking about Remembrance Day uh, and what that means to us as followers of Jesus Christ. But can I just thank you uh, for listening today whether it's on the telephone line, the podcast or the website. Uh, I want to give you a little heads up about something that's going to be starting from next Sunday, um, the 21st of November. Uh, we're going to begin an Advent devotional. Now, we're beginning an Advent a week early, and that's so that we can just fit everything in as we build up to Christmas. Uh, but don't let that um, ruin your in- enjoyment of it, the fact that we're starting a week early. Uh, we're going to begin on Monday, the 22nd of November. We're going to be following a book entitled Finding Hope Under Bethlehem Skies, which gives us 25 uh, daily devotional readings on the book of Ruth, which leads us up to Christmas. So over this whole Christmas period, we're going to be thinking about the story of Ruth and how that relates to Jesus coming and his incarnation. And uh, if you want to try and purchase the book, there are links on our website, or if you go into uh, any good bookstore, uh, you'll be able to order it, Finding Hope Under Bethlehem Skies by Robin Ham. And uh, if you have the book, then you'll be able to follow along, uh, but also listen in each day to our daily blog, uh, Beside the Burn, and uh, you'll be able to find out what's happening there. We also will have a limited number of uh, copies of the book available on Sunday morning in church at a cost of £3. If you do want one and you're there on Sunday, uh, bring an envelope, £3 inside, uh, swap it for a book and uh, you're very welcome. Please put your name in the envelope so that we know where they have all gone. So let's uh, begin with prayer today on this uh, Remembrance Sunday. God of new beginnings, we pray for places where conflict has lasted too long, where peacemaking has failed in the face of human pride, greed and fear. May the old order pass away and a new world come to be in which the fear of violence is history. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as in heaven. God of healing, we pray for the brokenhearted, those who are scarred by the things they have done or the things that have been done to them. We long for an end to mourning, crying and pain when every tear shall be wiped away. And may we, your people, learn to be comforters of the comfortless. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as in heaven. God of peace, we pray for peacemakers, for those who refuse to accept that violence is necessary, whose work is hardly noticed and wins no medals. We thank you for the vision of a world where swords are beaten into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks, and no one harms or destroys anyone. Teach us to love peace, we pray. 
May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as in heaven. God who says, I am making everything new, we pray that you will renew us. Give us hope in your future when the world is dark. Give us confidence in your truth when we're tempted to doubt. Give us joy in your presence when we feel we're alone. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as in heaven. Amen. Today then we come to the end of our series of Finding Jesus in the Old Testament. Uh, We've come to the end of this first section of it, I suppose, and uh, this is something that we're going to return to uh, because we're only partway through the book of Genesis. And today we're coming to the life of Joseph. And if I've discovered one thing about Joseph is that there is much, much more about his life and his connection with Jesus than we can possibly fit into one sermon. So see today as a little overview of the life of Joseph and then something that we'll definitely return to in more detail in the weeks or the months ahead. I want us to remember today why we started on this journey. Remember back to the summer whenever we were sharing meals with Jesus from the book of Luke. And the last meal that we looked at was on the road to Emmaus. Jesus had joined two of the disciples who were travelling to Emmaus that day. It was just after the crucifixion, just after the resurrection. They had explained that they were upset because Jesus had been crucified and they thought that he was going to be the one who was to be the Messiah. So the stranger appears alongside them, walks with them and begins to talk to them. They don't realise that it's Jesus until much later, until they're actually sitting down at the meal. And Jesus started to show them where they had misunderstood who he was and what he was going to do. And this is what we read in Luke 24. He said to them, how foolish you are. And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So it's to that little phrase in verse 26 that I want us to to focus upon today. Where Jesus says to them, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things? They thought because Jesus had been crucified, because he'd been buried, because he'd suffered, that he could no longer be considered the Messiah. But he says to them, you're foolish. This is exactly what the Messiah was going to do. So, you know, you've you've misunderstood it. And so he began to to teach them concerning himself from Moses and the prophets. And so far as we have gone on that journey from the beginning of Genesis, imagining Jesus opening up the book and, and reading to them and explaining to them what's contained there about himself, so far we have learned a lot about Jesus from those opening chapters of Genesis. 
But there hasn't been a huge amount about suffering. And I think as Jesus reaches the story of Joseph, suddenly everything begins to make sense to the disciples and perhaps will make sense to us this morning as well. And you see, there has to be a reason why Moses devotes so much of this book of Genesis to the story of Joseph. Because there are 13 chapters concerning Joseph. That's about a third of the book on one character. And if you think about it, Moses managed to cover the whole of creation in just two chapters. He dealt with the fall, the most significant or the second most significant event in human history in one chapter. Abraham, who this whole adventure starts off through as God chooses him and promises him a nation, gets 11 chapters, but Joseph gets 13 chapters. And the remarkable thing about that is that Joseph isn't even in the direct line of descent from Abraham to Jesus. Joseph is off to the side and it's his brother Judah that the direct line goes through. So why give so much detail about a man who is not in the direct line And is not one of the great names. We talk about the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. We very rarely talk about the God of Joseph. Now, I'm not even going to attempt to read very much about him today. If you follow the blog throughout the week, we will look in a bit more detail about the story of Joseph. But even then, we're just skirting over the top of it. There's so much more that we could look into and maybe we will in the weeks ahead. But let's take some highlights that we remember about Joseph. Joseph is a deliverer sent by God to save his people. And as such, he points us to the deliverer who is to come, the saviour who has come to save his people. So let's imagine the conversation between Jesus and the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And Nancy Guthrie in her book puts it like this, and I think it's put so well. Where Jesus is speaking, she imagines what Jesus is saying. Remember how Joseph was rejected by the sons of Jacob? So was I. Remember how Joseph's brothers wouldn't listen to what he said, and they conspired to kill him? My Jewish brothers refused to listen to me and conspired to kill me. Remember how Joseph left his home of privilege with the father who loved him and became a slave in Egypt? That's what happened to me when I left my father's home in heaven and came to this world taking the form of a servant. Remember how Joseph was eventually exalted to the king's right hand? And his brothers came and bowed down to him. That's what's ahead of me. Very soon I will ascend to my father's right hand and the day will come when every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that I am Lord. 
So we see here that Joseph's life is a preview of what Jesus does in our lives. And if we want to see how God is going to work out his salvation, then we need to examine the life of Joseph to see how that has worked in the past. Not so that we just learn from his example of of how to be faithful, how to resist temptation, how to uh, stand up in the face of adversary, how to be faithful when it seems that God has forgotten you. Not just those particular lessons, but we need to examine his life so that we learn more about Jesus. So what can we learn about Jesus from the life of Joseph? Well, let's begin by noting that Joseph was loved by his father. He was a beloved son. He was the favourite son. And Jacob loved him more than all the rest. And so therefore, whenever uh, Joseph was killed, as it were, Jacob was devastated by it. We're told in Genesis 37, verse 3, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made an ornate robe for him. And that coat of many colours, as we often refer to it, that ornate robe was the, the sign of, of, God's, of Jacob's favour on Joseph. So how does that fit in to the story of Jesus? Well, remember whenever Jesus was baptised, A voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. That Jesus is the beloved son sent from the father. And he is sent from the father because the father has a specific job for him to do. Now, if we think about it, whenever we uh, think about Joseph, Joseph ended up in the predicament with his brothers because his father sent him to find the brothers because the brothers were far away in Shechem and Jacob wanted to make sure that they were safe and that nothing had happened to them. So he sent Joseph to them to to ensure their safety. And whenever he came to them, they rejected him and they saw the opportunity to get rid of him and make their lives better without him. And it's very like God sending Jesus to this earth, to us, (coughs) excuse me, to save us and to protect us and to, to make sure that we're okay. And yet we on this earth have rejected him and turned away from him and ignored him. Whenever the Joseph went to his brothers in Shechem, they stripped him of his clothes. They took that ornate robe that had been given by the father and they removed it. And that was their proof to take back to the father that they covered it in blood to make the father believe that he had been killed. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. And if we think about Jesus As Jesus was going to the cross in Matthew 27, we're told, they stripped him. They put a scarlet robe in him. So they took Jesus' clothes in a similar way. 
And as Joseph was thrown into the cistern, into the pit, so Jesus was taken to the cross and died and was put into the tomb, buried. And as Joseph was left for dead, as it were, Jesus was crucified and put into that pit. But then they lifted him out of the pit. They, the initial plan was that they might be able to um, just scare Joseph, I suppose, or they may well leave him to die in the pit. But then they saw an opportunity to make some money. So they, some travellers came past and they decided to sell Joseph as a slave to these travellers. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. And again, in that verse, we immediately see several parallels with Jesus, where Jesus was lifted up out of the tomb, risen again. Jesus was brought to glory. Here, Joseph is not. He is sent on as a slave. But Jesus came to serve. And Joseph ended up as as a slave, as it were. There's the idea of the betrayal here of, of Judas as well with the 20 shekels, the 20 pieces of silver that are handed over in exchange. And we can't help but think of uh, Judas and his betrayal. But the wonderful thing here is that Joseph is alive and he's been lifted up out of the pit. And in Mark 16, we find the aftermath of the resurrection and how the disciples and the woman are finding it difficult to come to terms with what has happened. And they come to the tomb and they're told, don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where he lay. The grave, the pit, could not hold Jesus because he rose from the dead and he rose with victory and therefore he is alive today. The brothers knew that Joseph was alive but they thought that they had seen the last of him, that they would never see him again because he was away off to a foreign land and he was being uh, brought there as a slave and there was no hope of his return and so they sold the lie to their father that he was dead and that he would not be returning. We then see a similarity in Joseph and Jesus because Joseph served as a slave. Joseph had been taken down to Egypt Potiphar an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials the captain of the guard uh, brought bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. And Joseph, from being the highly favoured son who is given the ornate robe and all the privileges of the family, now becomes a slave to an Egyptian called Potiphar. And he is working in Potiphar's home. He no longer has a freedom to do what he wants to do. He is now doing what he is told to do and he is under Potiphar's um, authority. 
And again, we see the picture here of Jesus coming to this earth, that whenever Jesus came to this earth, he came as a servant. He didn't come as a mighty king. He didn't come sitting on a throne and reigning on high and calling out his commandments. He came as a servant to serve his people and to give himself for his people. We read about that in Philippians 2, 6-7. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And we can see that that is what Jesus was doing and how Jesus was living his life. And how Jesus was setting the example for us to follow. So Joseph gets on with the job and he's very good at his job of being a servant to Potiphar. Potiphar doesn't have to think about his household anymore because everything that Joseph does is done right and done well and the household prospers. And Jesus comes and he serves perfectly without blemish, without stain, without sin. But then Joseph is falsely accused in Potiphar's house. And we see that Potiphar's wife tried to tempt Joseph and Joseph was having none of it. So he ran away. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. Potiphar's wife caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. And Potiphar's wife then accuses Joseph. He's rejected her, he's resisted the temptation, but Potiphar's wife makes a false accusation against him. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. Joseph is falsely accused, but he resists the temptation. And we think of Jesus and the temptation that he went through in the wilderness and how Satan tempted him on three occasions and on each time he resisted that temptation. But then we also think of the false accusations that are brought to Jesus as he is heading towards the cross. We read in Matthew 26, the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. Jesus is falsely accused. He's tried falsely. He ends up being punished falsely for something he did not do. He took our sin upon himself. And he was punished for our sin, not his own sin. And so we have a saviour who, who is perfect and blameless and stands in our way. There's then an awful lot happens until the point where uh, Joseph, first of all, is thrown into prison. 
Then he meets two other people in prison, a cupbearer and a beggar. And then eventually he gets to the stage where Pharaoh has a dream and he is called upon by the cupbearer to interpret the dream of Pharaoh. That dream is all about the famine that's going to take place and Pharaoh wonders how he's going to cope with the famine and he puts Joseph in charge. And Joseph makes sure that in the years of plenty, everything is brought into the storehouses so that there is lots to give whenever the famine hits. And we have this picture again of of Jesus because what happens is that whenever the famine hits hard, the whole world comes to Joseph. Because there is no food and everyone comes to Joseph looking for food, looking for help, looking for the necessities of life just simply to survive. They look to Joseph to save them. And this is what we read in Genesis 41. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. And then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. And that has to be a picture of Jesus as our saviour, as the one that the world can come to to be fed, as the one who can save this world. And what we need to do is to go to Jesus and ask him, And he will provide. I'm sure there were people in the world at that time who were starving who did not go to Egypt because they didn't want to go and humble themselves and ask for help. And yet in today's world, we need Jesus. We need to humble ourselves and go to him and ask him. And he has said that he will provide. We were thinking last week as we met around the table. How Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And we see that in the life of Joseph so clearly that Jesus is able to provide on a a gigantic scale throughout the, the world to save those who are hungry and thirsty. We're told as well in Acts 4 verse 12, salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. There was no point going to somebody else in a different country because nowhere else had food. There was no point going to somebody else even in Egypt because Joseph was the one who had coordinated everything. The only person who could save you in Egypt was Joseph and the only person who can save us today is Jesus Christ. And what we also discover in this story because there's there's a lot happens where the brothers come back and they don't recognize Joseph and then they bring their father and then they bring their brother Benjamin and then they bring their father and there's a whole sequence of events but Joseph reveals to them that he forgives them and that he understands that it was all God's plan that God had a purpose in all of this taking place. 
And so he says, So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Joseph recognises that God has a plan and that God has been working out his plan and that he is in the centre of God's plan. And we find the same with salvation. God has a plan and Jesus Christ is at the centre of that plan. Prophet Isaiah looked forward to Jesus saying, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. It was God's plan that this would happen. And we're told in Acts 2 about Jesus. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan. It was all God's plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Joseph's life in great detail. And we've only sort of skirted over the top of it this morning. But maybe you'll go back and read those 13 chapters to see where God is at work in it all. Because there's so much that we haven't even covered today. We think of Joseph in the prison with the, the, the two other prisoners. And it's a beautiful picture of Jesus on the cross with the, 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 the two criminals on either side. And one of them is saved and the other one is not. And it helps us see what's going on in so many ways. But we see the suffering of Joseph. And yet we see the salvation that he brings to God's people. And it's the same for us today. Do we see the story of Jesus and Joseph? But more importantly, do we see the story of Jesus in our own lives today? Because if we've missed it, if we haven't realised what Jesus is doing in our lives, if we haven't realised what Jesus is up to, then we could hear those same words that the disciples heard on the road to Emmaus. How foolish you are and slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So let's remember that Jesus Christ has come to save us and today we trust in him and we find our salvation in him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you this day for this wonderful story of Joseph, but more than that, we thank you for Jesus and the story of salvation through Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to trust you. Help us to uh, believe in you. Help us, Lord, not to reject you, but to accept your salvation and to come to you asking so that we might be forgiven and so that we might have the richness of your blessings. For, Lord, we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.